and we are live, ladies and gentlemen, for a new episode of the Electrek Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined, as usual, by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. I hope you're good, because we have a ton to discuss this week uh, in this new episode that is sponsored by Electrifier America, the largest public fast-charging network in the U.S. We're going to have more to say later on the show, but thanks for Electrifier America for sponsoring the show. And uh, this week, the show is going to center around, uh, well, mainly the two important shareholders, meaning that it was in the auto industry in the U.S. this week. Uh, Tesla's, of course, that happened yesterday. And uh, GM also had an event earlier this week where there was a lot of uh, EV talk that we're going to discuss later on in the show. But first, we're going to start where we left off uh, last week because uh, we were expecting the numbers to be released last week. Uh, the, uh, they were delayed to Saturday, so we're going to have to discuss them now. And... Um, some pretty sweet numbers in there. Um, we're talking about 241,300 vehicles delivered in Q3 2021 for Tesla globally. So a massive, massive beat on the expectation of the of Wall Street at uh, 222, I think there was. So yes, significant beat here. Uh, more deliveries in production. Production was uh, 237,000, which was also a record. So production went up. Despite all those uh, production uh, supply chain issues that Tesla was talking about earlier in the quarter, so th- those issues were basically slowing down an actually like successful ramp up in production because production w- did increase significantly. Um, but uh, other important thing to note is Tesla is still not breaking down S and X three and Y deliveries. Of course, it doesn't matter more much for S and X these days because uh, production of the S uh, X hasn't started yet. The new version, I should say. But uh, Tesla produced almost 9,000 Model S, uh, delivered 9,200 of them. So a significant, um, significant ramp up for the, the S, which started production in June. So this uh, Q3 was the first full quarter of production for, uh, for the new version of the Model S. And uh, we, we're seeing a decent, uh, decent ramp up, but uh, we expect a lot more in Q4. And the X should also be added to the... Um, uh, to that mix too, model three, model wide, two hundred and thirty-two thousand uh, units delivered, just a few thousand fewer that were produced. So yeah, massive, uh, massive result for Tesla this uh, um, this quarter. Basically, at a quarter of a million uh, quarterly, so basically a million a year at this point. Like you were a few shorts, it's uh, an airdrop. But um, yeah, yeah was- and and with the chip the chip shortage as a backdrop, even more impressive. Oh, for sure. Because if you compare those numbers, like the growth here, which uh, did I include the growth numbers in there? Uh, I did not. But uh, it's it's significant, massive year over year growth, and also decent quarter over quarter growth. While all of the automakers have seen a quarter of quarter uh, reduction because of uh, the aforementioned chip shortage. Um, so Tesla is navigating that a lot better than anybody else. Of course. Lower volume than most other people uh, are handling, but still, it's it's impressive. Not in terms of electric vehicles, of course. I'm talking about like gasoline vehicles also need chips, and uh, but automakers that uh, produce, uh, I mean, at least the smart ones, <laughs> they do try to um, prioritize the the chip supplies to their electric vehicles, and we know that Ford did that with the Mustang uh, mm-hmm. Mach-E. Now that's getting um, more supply than uh, the regular Mustang. Uh, and it's also selling a lot better than a regular Mustang these days. But yeah, I mean, congrats to Tesla and the whole team. Uh, congrats to the delivery uh, delivery and service team too that uh, we know had the tough end of the quarter as we previously discussed. And as hopefully, they do. 
Yeah, as they always do. But apparently, Elon, like, uh, it's been a while since Elon has talked about uh, reducing those delivery waves. Uh, so now he's talked a lot about it over the last month. So hopefully he means it this time. And um, like I previously said, he said that it should be less so in Q4. But normally Q4 is always the biggest delivery wave. So I don't know if I believe him on that front. It makes sense starting next year in Q1 that uh, things slows down because uh, we should have a somewhat of a decent ramp up in Berlin and, and Texas that, that, that should help uh, alleviate that because the transit time is the, the biggest issue, like making cars more locally. Even if it's just the Model Y, um, well, I mean, I say just the Model Y, it's the biggest vehicle program for Tesla right now. But is so it even just that, the biggest? Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, they're just ramping up Shanghai. So, like, where where they sell both, I think it is. Like, yeah. if you if you go with Model Three uh, with Euro, European market, with the Model Y is just starting with one version, maybe not, but globally, everywhere where they sell both, I think the Model Y is taking. Over and that's right clearly now. where Tesla's, you know, eyeballs are. Yeah. Um, it's also <clears throat> interesting to note that the um, inventory, you know, they sold more than they actually made. So that means the inventory is thinning out uh, yeah. even more. And, you know, Tesla's not known for uh, trying to keep a lot of inventory, although mm-hmm. I think they had some Model S's from the uh, software uh, that was a slow to roll out. But it's super impressive. Like, you can't, there's no way you can criticize that, that quarter, those quarterly numbers. And it, it looks really good for Tesla going forward that you know they're growing at such a large clip and they still can't uh make enough cars yeah by far too yeah and uh they wrote those uh delivery numbers into their shareholders meeting that happened yesterday and uh during that shareholder meetings uh meeting there was the usual first part that's uh, the more official part where the uh shareholders vote on a few high items that this time around there was the Reelection of uh, two director, director Murdoch and uh, Kimball, Kimball Moss, the Elon's brother, and James Murdoch, uh, the um, the son of uh, what's the father's name, Rupert, Rupert, <laughs> Rupert Murdoch, billionaire media mogul, and um, so they reelected those two. They they they, made, they did a few changes too that are worth noting. For example, now the it's two two years term for the director. There was actually a proposal to bring it down to one year term, but I think it was shut down. Uh, I didn't see all the results just yet. Uh, actually, they should be posted today, so I should check them out. But a bunch of shareholder proposal too that I uh, assume were also shut down by Tesla because they always vote against them. Uh, but this time there might be one or two that 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 passed. Uh, I, I should uh, look them up. But they were all related to culture, and they were all uh, really prevalent in the media this week because it came off of uh, Tesla's, of course, like getting a hundred and thirty-seven million dollar uh, discrimination um, lawsuit. That that they that that's a settlement, not a settlement. It's it's what the court ordered to say because they to pay because they went actually to trial with it. So Tesla normally goes to arbitration with employees issues like that. And uh, one of the um, one of the shareholder proposals was to be more transparent about those arbitration issues because it was in- interesting that the for the first time you actually have an employee complaint like that that goes beyond the arbitration system and goes to trial and as it goes to trial Tesla loses and is they award a hundred and thirty seven million dollars to an employee we're talking about one single employee here uh, getting getting that paycheck over. Uh, what was described as a, a, a racist environment he was working in with a, a lot of uh, racial slur. The employee is black, by the way. That's that's an important thing to mention. And uh, 
but I guess the the main complaint because I think six million dollars was awarded in in damages, and the rest, the hundred thirty million dollar rest, was uh, punitive damage. So normally, those punitive damage is to try to enforce the company to change its ways because um, the the complaints were around the especially the, like we just discussed the arbitration system instead, uh, the lack of actually changing based on on the complaints and the last uh, responding to those complaints. But uh, Tesla went went on the offensive again uh, right after the the release of that. The uh, they released a whole blog post about it. Uh, well, it wasn't a blog post because uh, of course there's no one at Tesla to write blog posts these days apparently. <laughs> uh, but uh, I had to I had to do a little jab at the this men of the PR. Um, but uh, it was an email that um, Tesla's head of HR sent to employees, and Tesla decided to share that on their blog. But uh, if you read it, and it's on Tesla's website right now, you can go and read it. It's uh, clearly crafted also by the legal department at Tesla. Uh, you can see that it's, uh, um, especially after a judgment being passed right like that, uh, they are getting ready to appeal it most probably. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they actually end up having to pay a, an amount like that. Um, yep. So there was the first part like that, and then Elon went on on his presentation, uh, usual presentation of just like basically an update over the last year, a few um, comments on what's happening right now. Some interesting thing he says, he confirmed that uh, Shanghai, Gigafactory Shanghai is now producing more vehicles than uh, Gigafactory Fremont. Uh, I mean, we're not calling it Gigafactory Fremont for some reason, Fremont Factory, uh, but it's basically Gigafactory because it's also produced. Gigafactory Zero. Yeah, it also produces like half a million cars a year, basically. Um, and uh, and then he announced that Tesla is going to move to Texas, to Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. um, move the, the headquarters, I should say. Controversy. So it doesn't sound like Tesla is going to move, actually move anything. It's just going to be an official move of their headquarters. And I assume that some people are also going to follow with, with that move and people like the leadership, maybe. But um uh, I assume that Tesla is keeping its location in Palo Alto and also in Fremont. And Elon was very clear that Tesla is not leaving California; that they're staying there. But the only the headquarter is leaving and going to uh to Austin. And he specified that they're still they still plan to grow in California. And he mentioned, of course, Fremont, uh, growing the output of Fremont by fifty percent. That's something that uh, Tesla has talked in the past before. Elon even mentioned like an output a million electric vehicles per year in Fremont at some point. But uh, it was always kind of pie in the sky because, I mean, look at Fremont right now. Like, look at the drone flyovers. It is packed to the brims. They like they have to, like, shuttle employees around because they can park there. It's it's pretty crazy. And, and the inside of it, I mean, when did we visit it, Seth? It was, like, 2018 or something? Yeah. And already then, like, you go through the factory and it... It yeah, was there was nowhere packed. to park, nowhere to go. I mean, yeah. theoretically, you know, you put in some good mass transit. No, no, I mean and... inside the factory when we visited. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that in the inside was completely packed. Yeah, I mean, there theoretically could be parts where it wasn't. Although the fact that Tesla's building tents here and there doesn't bode well. Yeah, that was pre-tents. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they have a bunch of other, like, offshoot factories. I think the battery factory is like a, a mile away, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the new one and the you know, they're building all kinds of the mega, 
Mega Factory. Yeah, that that was a that was another uh, part of the um, something that he mentioned as we were still growing in California. The Mega Factory that uh, we reported on last last month. Uh, that's the new Mega Pack Factory that in, in Latrop, Latrop, uh, which is about like an hour from from Fremont. And uh, actually, at the event, he confirmed the planned production capacity of that factory, and he said it's going to be forty gigawatt hour of annual production capacity for the for Mega Pack production there. Uh, that's uh, that, that's wild because right now Tesla is basically producing not not just mega packs but all energy storage capacity, stationary energy storage capacity. So power wall, mega pack, and power packs. Though I assume mega pack is the biggest portion of it, but they're producing it at roughly four gigawatt hour per year. So that's so a, order of magnitude. Yeah, you love that word. <laughs> Add a zero. Yeah, a ten x increase in capacity just with that factory alone. So. I mean, I don't, I don't know when that's gonna happen because I, it looks like it's still a bottleneck. The battery, battery cell is still a bottleneck. So even if you can produce more bat, mega packs, like you need the batteries for them, battery cells. And uh, Elon also during the meeting reiterated the fact that Tesla is gonna keep prioritizing electric vehicles, uh, the cell supplies for electric vehicles, and he even said that the excess cells are going to go to uh, mega packs and and those kind of products. So. Uh, for them to achieve 40 gigawatt hour of mega packs with excess cells, like you need, <laughs> that's a lot of excess cells. I mean, just yeah. a few years ago, that was like the world's annual production of battery cells <laughs> it was around four, 440 gig- gigawatt hours. Yeah, I mean, this this ramp of not just Tesla, but just everybody's building factories, GM, Ford, Mercedes, everybody, you know, Volkswagen, obviously. Like, you know, we're going from such a, small small amount of battery production to 10 years from now where it's it's just going to be crazy yeah absolutely and uh going back to the move to austin for the headquarters so there's not he didn't specify where that's going to be but uh it's most likely going to be at the site of gigafactory austin but the the site i guess is just it's massive it's two thousand acres it's a giant site so it might it might be at the factory itself, it's just it's big enough for that, or it might be a different building like on the side. And we know that um, Elon previously mentioned this ecological paradise that they plan to build there. So he uh, mentioned it again at the meeting, and he said that's going to be part of that. So we assume that's going to be part of like this giant complex that Tesla's building there, much like Tesla's own version of uh, Apple's. Uh, how do you call the uh, giant Apple campus that quarter? I mean. People call it the spaceship, but the yeah. official name is uh, Apple Park. Apple Park, yeah. yeah. So I assume Tesla is building its own version of that. And Elon has, has talked about that before. Around the time that Apple was building the Apple Park, he was talking about just cool new headquarters for Tesla because he doesn't like the ones in Palo Alto. And to be fair, the ones in Palo Alto are not are not very impressive. It's uh-huh. like a bad seventies building. Yeah, nah. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess they couldn't find anything better. Mm-hmm. So but, Texas. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a few things that do make sense. You mentioned, of course, the lower cost of, of living uh, there. So it's easier to buy a house. So if you want to bring engineers, bring executive there, like, I mean, even like people doing like a decent, like six figure salary in Palo Alto, it's not easy to become a homeowner, which that's, that's pretty wild. Uh, but yeah. in Austin, it's doable right now. But uh, I would assume that the prices are going pretty uh, up pretty fast now because 
Samsung is moving there too. Apple is. Uh, I mean, both of those companies, Samsung, yeah. Apple, have been there for a decade, but they're but they're growing you know, there they're, a lot. They're yeah. growing, yeah, and and a bunch of other companies that are like you know parts companies that work you know with Tesla, mm-hmm. the the companies that are parts suppliers to Apple and Samsung are also ramping up there. So it's kind of like these ecosystems are growing there. I mean, it's great for Austin, and Austin's a great t- town. Uh, within Texas, which I wouldn't, you know, call great all, you know, outside of Austin. Some, some good, some bad. Yeah. But I like um, everywhere, like everywhere. Yeah. Like everywhere. Um, but what's, what's, you know, interesting is like you're creating this, like, you know, kind of Silicon Valley two mm-hmm. scenario over here. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious. I need to go back to Austin. I haven't been in a while in the, Sure, it's changing rapidly right now, but yeah, I mean, those were the reason that Elon said that the meetings. But of course, we we know that like, the first time that Tesla, ever, well, Elon even mentioned moving the headquarters to Texas, were for completely different reasons that he didn't discuss at all <laughs> during the meeting. But it came up just just now, a few hours ago. Um, I don't know how to pronounce that publication, like Tas- Tasmanian, Tasmanian, something like that. Like the 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 wrote an in line about the headquarters moving and they wrote the article like linking the headquarters moving to uh last year when an assembly woman in a state representative in, in California uh told Elon to f off, f off re- around the the time that he was he threatened for Tesla to leave California and back then he was he wasn't talking about headquarters he was talking about we're going to leave California uh regarding the covid restriction there then and early in the pandemic and uh, this uh, this assembly woman was uh, angry about it, and she uh, that he would threaten something like that, and uh, she told Elon to f off. And uh, they 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 linked the leaving like to that, and then Elon responded exactly <laughs> to, to that to that article uh, as if that was the reason that he left, which is which is a, a, a ridiculous ridiculous thing to say, <laughs> but because. Even if we we you don't just believe the official reason that he gave during the meeting, there's plenty of other reason too. Like uh, I see Jonathan Root just mentioned it. The obvious one is is the taxes that are much lower in Texas. So we we know that before Tesla ever moved its headquarters to Texas, Elon himself moved to Texas, and he did the move. Of course, again, it was apparently regarding his issues, his political issues with with California. But he also come right before he uh, he's about to exercise a ton of options um, that uh, are going to be he's going to have to pay a lot of taxes on them. So this is uh, interesting timing too. I'm not saying that's the reason, but the timing is interesting <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things about Austin that may make more sense, but most of them, you know, revolve around money. You know, whether it's uh, Jonathan Root also mentioned unions. They're a right-to-work state. Uh, California is much more union-focused. Um, as you mentioned, that the, the less expensive housing and, and cost of living. Um, but also, you know, Elon's personal you know life is also has a lot of SpaceX going on, mm-hmm. which of course SpaceX is in Los Angeles, but really a lot of launches are happening uh, in Texas, not in Austin, but yeah. um, you know nearby so uh you know it's a lot more convenient for elon who 
know, coincidentally, coincidentally also sold all of his LA property uh, not too long ago. So, uh, you know, kind of a kind of a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And uh, some other interesting thing that he mentions in a meeting: uh, Tesla insurance. Oh, sticking with Texas. Yeah, there was a small update on that. So, so since the, since earlier this year, Tesla has been working to try to launch it in more states than California, which is the only states that's available right now. And he said that it's actually going live in Texas next week. So be ready to see Tesla. You know what te- Tesla needs to do in Texas? What? Sell cars. They don't. <laughs> they're not able to sell their cars in in Texas. Yeah, their like headquarters today. are going to be in a state where they're not officially able to sell cars. Uh, I think there was another effort to change that recently. Uh, I would assume that Tesla's going to have a little bit more power uh, after that. But um, So if you live in Texas, if you're a Tesla employee and you want to get a car, they have to send it out of state and then back into state. Is that, that sounds right, right? Or can I don't they know if deliver? they... Well, it, I, I, I don't think they have to send it anywhere. Because they just don't register it in, because the, the cars are coming right now from California anyway. So they're coming from California and they are they don't register them in Texas until they sell them. So they don't have to do that. It's just that the transaction has to go through California or another neighboring state. So there's not an actual transport issue, I think. But the, I think if if the laws doesn't change, they might be for cars coming out of Gigafactory Austin because that's in Texas. So I would assume that Tesla thinks that this is going to be fixed by then. Um, and uh, that's a big ask because, I mean, you know, if you look at the politics, the, the legislation coming out of Texas right now is just not very encouraging stuff nope. in terms of uh, common sense. And uh, and then when you factor in the strength of the dealership in, in Texas, because the, the dealership have a lot of uh, political uh, power at the state level, but also like it, it's it's all... Um, it, it's all localized. Like, if you have like a dealership that it's in a specific like district, then they give money to that state representative there. Then that state representative is not going to vote for a change of the direct sales law. And Tesla, Tesla's power, uh, it might be like seem big in, in in Texas, but it's actually very localized around Austin. So they they lose some some power there in terms of like getting the actual votes. To change the direct sale laws, so uh, Tesla might be facing an uphill battle still in Texas with with changing that, and that would be interesting thing to follow. Because uh, I mean, I hope for them that they can change it, because obviously uh, it makes no sense. But well, it makes no sense if you have common sense and if you're not invested in local dealerships, um, right. or if uh, you don't rely on money from local dealerships to be reelected, which uh, is another problem altogether. Um, but yeah, uh, and then Elon said aspirationally, and this is an important word when you listen to Elon Musk, you need to be careful about the words he used uh, about Tesla insurance launching in most of the US uh, next year. So, I mean, it took Tesla like two years to get from California to get from one state to two states. So saying that uh, within a year, they're going to be in almost all states is pretty wild, but maybe New York next year. Yeah, and may- maybe also they get they dial it down the the application for her, uh, getting insurance in all the different states. But we also know that they took their time because they w- they want to launch in Texas and any other state with the telemetry based system, which they don't have in California yet. So they're also updating the version of the insurance that they have in California to 
basically include the um, driver safety thing that uh, the Tesla launched last week regarding the FSD release, but for insurance. Speaking of that FSD release, there was also some comment about that. And uh, Elon said that Tesla, <laughs> this is a good one, uh, he talked about, and uh, so there was some confusion about people on that. They think he was just answering a question. He wasn't answering a question. He offered those comments as part of his opening statement, like as if like this is like news. He was announcing that uh, that Tesla is going to license in the future, of course, its full self-driving software to other automakers. He, he described it as like a moral responsibility that it's uh, going to be a significant lifesaver and preventer of injuries. That is not a technology we want to keep to ourselves. So I think we will be morally right to license it to other manufacturers if they would like to use it. If they would like to use it is, of course, the the big question. Because right now, I don't think there's no one's going to raise their hand because the, there's no full self-driving software right now. There's full self-driving beta, which they now call it FSD beta because it's actually not full self-driving. And uh, yeah, that was that. So they brought again the whole uh, rollout uh, to the forefront because he was also asked later on if it we're still on for tomorrow, which is now today, the release of uh, uh, version ten point two, which apparently is still going to happen at midnight tonight, uh, midnight California time, I think, uh, to to the early access owners, but at the same time. Tesla is going to give it to the first thousand FSD buyers that are not in early access, but that have a hundred percent safety score, which uh, made it interesting because then someone asked him, they asked him, what's your safety score? And Elon, because Elon said, I've used 10.2 to come to the meeting today from the house and I got no uh, driver intervention. Everything was like, oh, that's awesome. And then someone asked him, what's your score? And then Elon quickly became quite flustered. He was like, oh, ah, actually, uh, I don't know what my score is. Uh, I'll check. I mean, when he said, I, I'll check, I was like, check right now. Just pull out your phone and check. You can't, like, Seth, you can check. I cannot because I'm Canadian, but uh, Seth, you can check right now. It takes a second. And what, where, where you had right now? You were at 87 last I w- week? I was at 91, oh. but uh, I had to go to LaGuardia Airport. So that's going <laughs> to kill me. Um, but right now, it's not refreshing for some reason. So. Oh. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm in the 90s. I'm not going to get it the, tonight. I'm not. No. My, if I wake up tomorrow and have it, it something went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> something went horribly wrong. Uh, yeah. So he said, "I'll check it. I'll check it." But the, and then he was like, "Oh, you know, it's not. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. Well, not not his score. I mean, but the system is not perfect. And you know, Elon's score is probably not perfect with that reaction, uh, which which raises this this whole." issue of like how they're rolling out and like it's all about making it as safe as possible it's not really about that if you if because i mean himself he admitted that the safety store is not is not perfect and we discussed how like there's plenty of ways to to hurt your score even though without making any mistakes as a driver i mean and uh so it, it all it's about it's about slowing down the wider release that they because I mean we've been burned a few times on the wider release anyway so it's just another burn on that but it's about slowing that down because they want to have a much control on it I mean because because if it, you, your goal was really to give it to the safest drivers in the first place 
uh, were the early access program drivers the safest drivers? Like, w- w- was there any check on, on that? And I mean, we have example of like people reaching out to Elon on Twitter and like, hey, can I have the FSD, please? And Elon said, yeah, sure, you can have the FSD beta if you want. Uh, so like, there was no, it wasn't about that. Like, which raises the question: What were the criterias for people to get FSD beta in the first place? I, I think most people understand. I mean, most people who watch our show and read our site know that it's basically people who are very favorable for, toward Tesla in their, you know, in their Twitter personas. Uh, were, you know, that's basically everybody who was broadcasting full self-driving uh, footage was, are, you know, of that group of people that are extremely pro-Tesla. And then on top of that, Tesla threw in a um, non-disclosure, which I think uh, uh, Vice got it got the uh, wording of which you know basically said you can't post anything negative or you know if you don't don't post something that would give the haters some you know ammunition or whatever so you know even the 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 galley thing that we talked about last Mm. week um you know where he's doing it you know admittedly not an easy drive to navigate the uh, monorail thing or whatever that was um but you know somebody took a clip of his um self-drive and you know where it you know, almost ran over some people and was like, you know, this is clearly not ready for prime time. And then, uh, you know, Galley threatened him to, you know, get to his employer. And then, you know, obviously Tesla probably wasn't too happy about that. Galley deleted uh, the whole video. Um, and I think, you know, DCMCA or DCM, wait, DMCA. Yeah. It, so, you know, just like that's not, it, it's not, obviously not currently being objectively tested i think that i think we can all agree with that so or getting yeah they're not sharing we're not getting a clear image of the testing that that's right. more because because i mean they, they could be sharing like very honest feedback to tesla through that program it's just that our only view to that program were those people and we we, we obviously learned last two weeks ago whatever that was that uh, we didn't, we weren't getting, a, not that we didn't know that, like, I think most people that are a little bit um, skeptical, like, <laughs> they, they knew they knew what was happening. But, yeah, I, I mean, they, this idea that uh, Tesla is only sharing FSD beta to the safest possible driver is is a fallacy, obviously. Right. It, it's all about slowing down the release, which I don't necessarily disagree with. It's just that I don't like the communications around it because... It's it's we we've been burned so many times about that. Like Elon since 2016 calling FSD like a solved problem, and then promising. The, I, do you remember back in the day where the, he he was like, "Hey, buy buy FSD right now. You're gonna get it faster than than other people." Oh, like yeah. like that's when I placed my order. Then I was I was lied to. Like it's it's not it wasn't true. Now it's about. It's about this little game that we played about that that you get a score on and and then you 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 get it maybe faster with that. Yeah. So that change. Do you remember when he said that uh, FSD would be an appreciating asset on on, on your on, on your car yeah. now and and that hasn't turned out to be true yet. <laughs> I'm not saying that it won't be in the future, but it hasn't been true yet. So yeah. like these were very successful, like. Um, marketing tactic like the tactics like yeah. s- to sell the cars and they worked they worked on you they worked on me they worked on thousands of people 
And I'm not saying that I feel like I was like cheated or anything like that. Like it's not about that. It's it's about I think we we just need to like be harder on Tesla on the communication around it. Like they're not they're not being fair. Like this this whole control around it. It's it's not it's not great in my opinion. Yeah, uh-huh. and it, you know, like we have a reason to be skeptical. Like everybody else who's got FSD is using the current you know version of uh, autopilot, which you know it does good stuff for sure. Like it makes driving on highways a lot easier. No, oh, for sure. But you know, it's clearly not. We're not close to you know robo taxis. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, it's just not. You know, so when not- when he goes on and he's like, "Oh, we morally responsible to share that software with other automakers," it's it it hurts a few people. Like you're like, "I get it to work first, get it to people that paid for it first, then we will we'll see if other people want it." Um, okay, and this is coming from someone who it who thinks that Tesla is the leader on that front. Like this all. Do you remember who does that that weird chart about who's the leader in uh in self driving and Tesla is always at the bottom of it? Like a yeah, really really respected research firm that does that. Yeah, and like Waymo's always on top, and then Cruise, and then Tesla is like at the bottom of it. Like a very yeah. popular chart that is updated every year. I think this chart is completely wrong. I think Tesla's approach in term of uh, a vision based system with neural nets is the one that makes the most sense. Because that's how we operate vehicles right now with a neural net and with a vision-based system. I do think that there are flaws in the system, like blind spots, that uh, we need to be fixed, which is my problem with the whole appreciating assets, because I think there might need to be some hardware changes. But anyway, I still think Tesla has the best approach. I just think they need to be more realistic about the communication, because it's bordering bordering on on um false advertising <laughs> like like the the they are being smart in the way that tesla tesla is being smart in the way they phrase thing officially who is it nav- navigant research yeah navigant research exactly yeah they put waymo cruise <laughs> ford baidu in the first quadrant yeah and then tesla is that way back i think they might be a little bit hop in the last update or something but i know for years they were way back but yeah uh, but Elon himself, like Elon, if if Elon were like, you take Elon's word and you put them on Tesla's website, on Tesla's marketing thing and everything, I think that a lot, a lot of that would be considered like false advertising. Um, so it's that that's what I'm worried about, just being more honest and more realistic about the, the feedback here. All right. What do you moving- think about like giving people the option of getting a refund on their on their self-driving stuff? You think? Oh yeah, Tesla yeah, should I, do that, I, yeah. I, I think, I think uh, there should be a, a like um, a small mea culpa from Milan about about that. About like, yes, I've been wrong about like. I mean, no, like this is an extremely hard technology to deliver. I acknowledge that. Uh, it, no problem with them being late to deliver it. Like it, it's gonna happen with that. It's just the language that. Elon used to sell the package to people made it seem different. That that's also, it. Also, and the threats of it going up. And yeah, the going up in prices, telling people that's going to be an appreciating asset soon, and everything. Like I, I, yeah, you're right. I think Tesla should like come out with that, and like if you're not happy with the way that the FSD program has been uh, rolled out, you can get a full refund of it right now, um, which. Which would actually like 
it, that that will completely negate everything that Elon said in the past because you can get your your, your money back. And now, if you did pay less than the actual price it is right now, like I did, I think I paid like six thousand or something like that, five, five, five or six thousand, and it's now ten thousand. Uh, so, is that difference in pricing? Is it worth the my confidence in Tesla actually delivering the system as promised, which is a true full self driving system? <laughs> it's just pretty crazy now that we keep adding like adjective before the word self driving, even though it's. Right. And that's, so that's the other thing. The marketing term is just wrong. Like, you know, we're not getting a full self-driving beta. We're getting a navigates around while you're, you know, paying attention beta. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a little bit disappointing. Like, you know, we, we were kind of like, all right, you know, a couple of years, I'm going to be driving to Vermont in the back seat, you know, reading a book or sleeping or whatever. And, it, that just seems far farther away now than it did, you know, a few years ago. Yeah, you know, and you know, you know what's wild? You say that right now, and then the Tesla Q people would be like, "Well, you were a dumb dumb to think that uh, that would happen when you when you bought it back then." And uh, and you're like, "Okay, like maybe I was," but then now today <laughs> you say that, and now it's Tesla super fans. I was like. How, how would you even believe back then that this would take so? Of course, it's such a difficult technology to deliver. Of course, there wouldn't be delays. <laughs> like they are saying now, what like the naysayer were saying back then. It's 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 very crazy, like the way that this well, plays and, out. And we talked about yesterday how Tesla unfortunately has a pattern of like announcing un, un, announcing something super cool and a time in a timeline that seems impossible, and then of course. You know, for a price that seems crazy, like you know the, the Cybertruck, for instance, you know forty thousand coming, you know twenty twenty one, you know whatever. Then they start walking that back, and they you know, like, well, it's going to cost a little bit more. Well, it's not going to have all those features. Well, you know, we didn't say this, we didn't say that. You know, we implied that, or you know the, you know, it's going to have six hundred miles of range. The you know the the Roadster, and then five hundred twenty miles of range for the the Model S or whatever. And then, you know, 400 miles of range, like all these things. It's just like, you know, when Tesla announces something, they're going to walk it back and walk it back and walk it back. And then you're going to get something, but it's not going to be as as exciting as. But then it, it, here's the dilemma. Then It's still going to be the best out there. Right. <laughs> or so right. far it has been. It's still going to be the best out there. So is the is the deception worth? The fact that like they put the bar the bar super high and then they don't they, they they don't get it but they still they still get better than anybody else like is that worth it I don't I don't know what it is I don't, I'm I'm just putting it out there um, because because it, it, it's kind of uh, the Steve Job approach right like just put impossible goals out there right. and and push people to try to meet them and if they don't they, if they miss it they'll they're still it, it's still better than uh, anything on there. Like, was it was it him or was it Elon? Like, the, the, the fact that I don't know the difference is is telling a lot. But um, that said, like, um, if uh, I don't I don't remember what was the exact example, but it, it's gonna work. Like, if you give yourself like three days to clean your house, it's gonna take three days to clean your house. But if uh, if you you say it's gonna if you give yourself one day to clean your house, then it's gonna take one day to clean your house. So if you uh, say that FSD is going to take three years instead of taking 10 years, then you're going to work through that. But 
the truth is you're not maybe not gonna do a, a, as good as a job as you would if you had 10 years uh, but you're right that you're gonna deliver likely something sooner uh, when that would be it's uh it's another thing yeah there's a uh, tweet benedict evans on twitter um actually talked about this uh on another podcast recently but um he says elon musk is a bullshitter who delivers this breaks a lot of people's pattern matching in both directions and and that that to me like is a pretty good like synopsis like Mm -hmm. he's bullshitting like he you know maybe what he's saying to the world is like this is what my expectation is and i'm also this is also going out to my employees but you know the reality is never going to be that or maybe he's like a super optimist and he's like you know if everything works this is what it's going to be but you know like yeah because he's not lying i think like most of the time i don't i don't detect like a lie him unless like he's he's i mean he's a super genius for sure but but yeah. he, I, I, like this it's just a different kind of super genius to be like a a liar like you you see it in politicians even the best one when the way did they talk and like uh, even like a good politician like barack obama for example which like a great orator like a good politician everything i don't agree with all his politics but like it, it, you can see when he says something and it's not genuine. It's like, I need to say this. Like, you can see it. You can feel it a little bit. Right. Uh, like, it's just party line or whatever. You, you, like, you don't, he doesn't mean it. Uh, with Elon, you, you, you feel like the, the emotion. You feel like he means it, like, yeah, most of the time. I don't know if I, I might be being duped by the whole thing, but I think I have a good judgment on that front most of the time. So, I don't, it's, it's, uh, so, it depends what you mean by bullshitting on yeah. that. Like, there's a lot of different meanings to that, but uh, I I agree that's an interesting statement. Yeah, and and BSing, like like you just said, like does that mean lying? Not necessarily directly, but mm-hmm. yeah. it it kind of gives you more leeway to say, well, it's not going to really happen. Like, I can be a BSer and believe everything I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. All right. On that note, do you want to do a quick read on uh, our partner, Electrify America? Yep. All right. This episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by Electrify America. Electrify America now operates the largest public ultra-fast electric vehicle charging network in the United States. A few recent updates on the network. Electrify America is now coast-to-coast with more than 650 EV charging stations, with new locations opening every week. It now offers ultra-fast charging stations with speeds up to 150 kilowatts, and 350 kilowatts for capable vehicles, allowing you to charge up as fast as possible and get back on the road. EA offers a new monthly subscription plan with contactless payments through its mobile apps, and with it, you save can save up to 25% on charging. If you're an EV driver and want to learn more about Electrify America and its growing network of charging stations across the U.S., find out what they're up to at electrifyamerica.com. That's electrifyamerica.com, or hit up the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Electrify America for sponsoring this week's show. Yes, thanks, EA. Um, we have uh, quite a few. Uh, this is going to be a long show, I think. But we have a few more news items to discuss. But then we're going to jump into the comment section. I know there's already a ton of comments there. So if you have a specific question or uh, specific topics you want us to discuss uh, at the end of the show, be- please put them in all caps so we can distinguish them between that and uh, the conversation that are going on in the chat right now because there's a bunch of people talking. Uh, appreciate it. All right, a few more Tesla news items that are not related necessarily to the shareholders meeting. 
We had a former Tesla employee that has a knowledge of Tesla's body this week that said that everybody missed something in the, the last uh, shareholders letter that was released. Now Tesla has the habit in the last year or so to release like a bunch of pictures at the end of the shareholders meeting just to give you an update on like the new manufacturing facilities and stuff like that, including Gigafactory, Gigafactory Texas. And uh, he zoomed in on the car that was shown. This is the body production line for the Model Y in Texas. And he, he was able to confirm that this this these vehicles here both feature a full uh, single-piece front casting and single-piece rear casting. So it looks like Tesla is already producing Model Y full body with single front and rear casting. So this is a, this is a big deal because this is a, a first in the, in the auto industry to produce this um, uh, cars like that. Uh, we know that the rear casting turned basically 70 parts into one. We don't know what it is for the front casting, but it should be something similar. So it's a massive improvement in efficiency for uh, the, the body of the vehicles. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, just a, a huge accomplishment. And now, in terms of uh, the pros, are obvious. I mean, this 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 employees here uh, shared some some of the pros. Said you save on new factory space, of course, on capex, uh, fewer uh, hundreds, fewer of uh, you eliminate hundreds of welding robots and stamping machines. Uh, better NVH, lighter uh, the the vehicle is actually lighter. Increase in range because well, in range or in efficiency, depending on how you uh, indulge your energy with that lighter wanes, lighter range. Uh, make manufacturing simpler by reducing the number of stamping and welding, saving from eliminating tooling, maintenance costs of welding and stamping, vert ver vertical integration, better supply chain control because you have fewer power, and so many other benefits. So as you can see, there's a lot of benefits in having um, this single rear, single uh, front casting for the for the body. Of course, there's some possible downside to it. Uh, people have discussed the fact that if there's a crash or something, what's going to happen? Um, of course, if there's a crash that affects the actual body of front and back, uh, you're probably going to have to replace the whole part anyway. So I don't think that's a, as big of a deal. I think the bigger concern for people is with the structural battery pack, which we don't know if those have been applied right there um, from the part. I mean, obviously, there's no battery pack in there. And uh, the battery pack is going to be a part of the body now with the the new uh, system, the new design. We we did get some update on that front during the meeting, though. Uh, so previously, Elon was um, kind of warning people that the new Model Y at uh, Gigafactory Texas and Berlin might not start with the structural battery pack design, that they might have to revert to 2170. But uh, so he wasn't directly asked that. It was more as, is there going to be 4680, uh, 4680 battery cell production, which is required for the structural battery pack at Gigafactory Texas this year? And he said, no, it's going to be next year. But he did say that uh, the uh, pilot line in Fremont is going to be enough to supply battery cells for Texas this year. So that would mean that Tesla is going to start production with the structural battery pack this year on Model Y. That's how I understood it. Like it didn't make sense otherwise is common. So this is a good news on that front. So it looks like this year the Model Y produce Gigafactory Texas will come with front and back single pieces rear casting linked uh with a structural battery pack with 4680 cells. So all those combined it's a massive improvement in efficiency. 
Uh, however, like, yeah, if there's a crash that affects the structure of the battery pack, then there's some issues you need to like replace the whole car, basically. But at the same time, when, when you're talking about a premium car like that, which is still, I mean, the Model Y is still a premium car. I'm going to talk about pricing in a minute. <laughs> uh, you, you And you have a decent, like uh, an accident with some decent force. Often the insurer is going to total it. So it's, it's Tesla is going to just take possession of the car back, especially now if they have their own insurance on it and, uh, and recycle the whole thing, basically. Yeah, now uh, pricing. So there was another price increase this week for both Model 3 and Model Y. Biggest price increase is for the base versions of both vehicles that uh, each saw a $2,000 price increases. So earlier this year, there was a bunch of incremental small $500 to $1,000 price increases on, on a bunch of different versions of the Model 3 and Model Y, and they added up to a lot. Uh, but now this latest one is a big one, $2,000 on the Standard Range Plus Model 3, which went for $40,000 to $42,000. So that's the cheapest Tesla you can buy in the U.S. right now, a $42,000 Standard Range Plus. Uh, the Long Range All-Wheel Drive Model 3 stayed the same price at $50,000. The Performance version saw a $1,000 increase to $58,000. Moving to the Model Y. Uh, of course, there's only, still only two versions of the Model Y available. Well, apparently, you can buy the rear-wheel drive uh, off the menu. I don't know if that's still true. Uh, the long-range dual motor went from fifty-three dollars to $55,000. So this is the cheapest Model Y you can buy in the U.S. right now, get, unless the rear-wheel drive is off the menu. But I don't really count off the menu item. I think it's a, it's a preposterous <laughs> option. To, oh, we have an option. You just you need to know about it to, uh, to order it. Uh, Model Y performance uh, w- went up a thousand dollars to sixty two thousand dollars. So yeah, fifty five and uh, forty two. So Elon again during the meeting linked the most recent price increases to the supply chain issues and the rising costs, which makes sense. Everyone everyone has been seeing that every automaker, not just Tesla. But at the same time, I like to note the fact that Tesla's gross margin have been have been increasing throughout the year. So. Uh, there's, there's, there's some conflicting information here. <laughs> so, little trivia question: uh, What is the cheapest car you can buy on Tesla's website right now? Well, I think you're going with uh, the Cybertruck right now. Is that is it, it's what right. you're trying to? Uh, yeah. yeah, the Cybertruck is forty thousand. If you you know pre-order it, right pre-order now. base price, you know yeah. all that. I think the issue with that is as simple as Tesla hasn't updated that page for a while and then bought her too because <laughs> because uh, the the truck has been delayed to uh, late next year. Yeah, right. if, and they're not going to sell the original, you know, the, the base model for years from now. Oh yeah, that, that also that yeah. Like I wouldn't worry too much about the base Cybertruck. I don't think it's coming anytime soon. And uh, by then, a lot of things can change, uh, including the price. Yeah, I mean, so people who had money down on that two years ago 40,000 we'll probably get it you know within what seven years and at that point uh the interest on the money you put down is probably going to be 80 90,000 bucks so well uh, it's a it's a hundred bucks that the the money put down oh that's true yeah yeah that's a placeholder you're not putting down everything yeah the and they reduce that for the cyborg too right all right, uh, the CCS adapter, the CCS to Tesla's proprietary plug adapter. 
this elusive device that uh, Tesla owners have been asking for for a long time is actually coming this month, it sounds like. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I would assume to hear. So, that, like, it's weird that we're learning all that from Tesla Korea. It's all coming from Tesla Korea. Uh, I, I think the reason for that literally might be as simple as the fact that Tesla has, like, communication team in, in Korea and in, in, in the U.S. That, that might literally be the... the that would be unfortunate. But that's I, true, but, but also not surprising. But this this adapter, this very like the hardware itself is going to be able to be used in in Korea and in the in the U.S. So there's no reason for Tesla not to launch it in the U.S. It's just, uh, I mean, they, in, in Korea they use the same standard, they use the CCS1 standard as we do here. So it's not uh, same plugs too. Yeah, same plug. So it's not. Oh, so you could theoretically send one over. Oh yeah, you can send one over, and you. I mean, I would assume that Tesla's going to put it on the store in the U.S. too. Uh, but yeah, why we're talking about Korea here? So earlier this year, uh, Tesla told Korean uh, owners that the uh, adapter is coming in the first half of the year. That never happened. But uh, this week, shocker, yeah, this this week they sent another email to them saying that on Tuesday, October nineteenth, they're gonna start the sell for preferential purchase tickets. So this, I don't know exactly what that means, but there's going to be like signing kind of a pre-sell of it for owners. And then it's going to go on the official sell on, on the Tesla website, I assume, uh, on the 26th. Um, yeah. So this is, this all the information is coming from Korea. I would assume that the same thing is going to happen at the same time or shortly after in the US because it would make no sense if it doesn't, but wouldn't get past that Tesla either. Uh, they say that the adapter is only for using a Model 3 and Model Y. Nothing on Model S and X uh, yet, but the compati- compatibility should uh, uh, arrive later on, uh, at a later date. And they're talking about a price that is the equivalent of two hundred and fifty uh, dollar US, so uh, not too bad for uh, such an adapter. But yeah, uh, I mean, there's already been an adapter for the same adapter in Europe uh, for, but that was from CCS to Type Two because Tesla was using a different standard in Europe. They already changed all the standards in Europe on the car themselves that, that ship for the European market to CCS. So they don't need them for the new ones. That's just for the older ones. But in uh, in Korea, in the US, and a few other markets, they still use the... I think someone in the comment section actually listed all the markets that use this, this property plug. Yeah. So US, Puerto Rico. Well, Puerto Rico is part of the US, basically. Mexico, Canada, Japan, and Korea. So just a few of those markets, but the big ones like the US, they use the Tesla's proprietary plug. And uh, you never had an adapter for the CCS for that. It just had the Chademo. And speaking of, the Chademo just disappeared from Tesla store in the US. So uh, Coincidence? Yeah, I doubt it's a coincidence. I think that the new adapter for CCS is coming. I think no one was buying Chademo because it's not a great investment It's since the, the standard is basically dying now, basically dead. Uh, and being replaced by CCS. So, and also the timing, I think, is important for Tesla to release this soon in 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 well, not necessarily North America, but in anywhere where they're going to open the the supercharger network to other automakers, which I think they're going to do in Europe first because it makes more sense since it's going to be easier there. They don't even going to need an adapter. But if you're opening the supercharger network to non-Tesla EVs, makes sense to finally give. Tesla EVs access to non-Tesla supercharger like like Electrify America in the US and uh, 
I honestly in Europe, well, again, in Europe, it's another thing. Tesla owners have already access to those. So it may, like, it, it would make sense for Tesla to make the move first, really. Like, just like help us out before you help out other people, other owners. Like, uh, it, it would make sense. But especially it, a lot of owners are worried about uh, non Tesla EVs coming on a network and, uh, and increasing traffic. So it would make it like a more fair landscape if uh, Tesla owners could also use. I mean, at the end of the day, like you have to think about it. Like it's if it's two hundred fifty bucks, it's still like a decent amount to invest in it. So it, you, you're gonna try to see how often you're gonna use it because if you end up you, like I bought a Chademo adapter and it was more expensive. Even I think it was five hundred bucks, yeah, four hundred, five hundred, four hundred. Yeah. I think yeah, you're right. I've got one as well. I think uh, I've used it. I think I would try to sell mine. <laughs> probably now would be a perfect yeah, time to sell it yeah that's a good idea sell it and now then and then uh get one get my cash ready for this one yeah because i think i use mine probably like half a dozen times max yep same so like that's like that's expensive a charge at, at that point so think think about about it too because the supercharger is very extensive like it's all over uh, north america right now there is like depending on some routes that you do more often than not, there might be an electrifier America charger that makes more sense and everything. So uh, there, there, there's gonna be, and the, the more they're growing, too, they're growing fast, so that that would make sense. But think about it too, because if you end up using just a few times, you're gonna regret it. All right, moving on from Tesla news, GM also had their shareholders meeting this week earlier in the week, and uh, there was a lot of announcement regarding electric vehicles. The biggest one is that they plan to be the market share, they call it the, the market share leader, EV market share leader in the US. And, and in the future. In in the by 2030. By by 2030. And uh they plan that leadership to help them double their sales. So right now the leadership, the leader in EV market share in the US is Tesla, and it's Tesla by a long shot. GM is second, to be fair, they're second. But they are like a few miles behind second place. Not only a few <laughs> miles, like Tesla is not only ahead, like they lapped a few times around them. <laughs> like you, right. they might look close sometimes, but they takes actually a few a few lap around them already. And GM is doing incredibly poor right now because of the bolt recall. So it's like yeah. not only is Tesla moving forward, GM's kind of moving backwards at the same time. Yeah, the bolt and the e the bolt EV and EUV are their only vehicles that are selling right now. And at the same time as they're selling, they're recalling all of them and putting new batch packs in them and everything. So, and a lot of people are asking for buybacks because they they, they lost confidence in the the vehicles and everything. So it's like you said, not a great situation for GM right now. But they're banking big time on the Ultium based vehicles, starting with the Hummer, the Lyric. But after that, like Hummers and Lyrics, like the the Cadillacs, they're not high volume vehicles. The Hummer is certainly not a high volume vehicle. But they announced a bunch of new vehicles to come, including this. This while well, they talk about the Buick crossover and everything, those are all vehicles that we knew about. The Lyric from Cadillac, the the, the Celestic from Cadillac, those are all cars that we knew about. But they talk about a new Chevrolet crossover priced at around thirty thousand dollars. So this sounds like a new uh, generation Bolt EV, or maybe a little bit bigger. What's the bigger crossover from Chevy? It's the uh equinox or is that is that a truck i don't know it, I, I, well, I don't know yeah maybe it's a suv but, um, cruise i don't know uh it, it sounds like gonna be like, at thirty thousand dollars it sounds like it's gonna be like the next generation of uh of the bolt basically maybe or maybe a little bit bigger i don't know 
but uh, that's a new card that they announced. They also, they also, um, well, they didn't announce the. We knew that the Silverado Electric is coming, but the um, they said that they're going to own engineering at uh, CES. Um, Jim always has a big thing at CES, so big presence. Yeah, and I think Mary Vera is going to be the uh, keynote speaker, which I think you know has happened in the past as well. But um, it's going to be a big event yeah. for them, and. Uh, Along with the Silverado Electric, which uh, they posted this new image of it with the glass roof here, there's uh, the GMC Sierra, which I think is going to be based on the same platform, but it's going to be a little bigger. Yeah. The Sierra E. Is that is that what they're calling them now, the E? Yeah, that's the first time I've heard it called the Sierra E and the Silverado E, but that seems like the nomenclature currently. Yeah. You know, I don't like that. Uh, I, I'm not a nope. big fan of when the take an existing vehicle, gas-powered vehicles, and then they add, like, oh, this is the electric version of it because then people start comparing pricing. They start, like, doing all that thing. It's just not it's not ideal. Like, And, I mean, most of the time, it's going to be a better car. The, elect- the electric version is going to be, but you know how people are. Sometimes just a sticker price. They don't take into account the cost savings, the fuel savings. and it's- Yeah, and for me, there's also the implication that they just pulled out the you know, guts and put in electric, yeah. you know, like, I don't think that's going to be the case around now electric. with the Ultium platform, right. but you're right. Like, uh, it, it can be a concern. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, the, uh, at the same time, they unveiled the, the, they said, so they said this plan that they want to take the EV market share leadership in the U S they want to un- uh, release all those new vehicles, which I mean, two pickup trucks, that's going to be a big deal to achieve that and everything. But there's one thing that stuck out to me that, well, like, oh, like, every time I'm like, like, you know, GM, I'm not the biggest fan of GM with all the bad things that they did on electric vehicles in the past and they're lobbying against it, even recently, that lobbying against electric vehicles. Uh, but every time they make a big announcement like that, I'm like, all right, I'll give them a shot and everything. But then at the end of it, they say, we plan for more than 50% of the company's North America and China manufacturing footprint to be capable of EV production by 2030. To me, this is, this, this kills the whole thing now. Cause, okay, like that's, that, that's great. That's all right. A big investment and everything, but 2030. So you could have, you could have up to 50% of your production capacity that's still going to be for internal combustion engine vehicles by 2030. Detroit seems like a vacuum when it comes to EVs. Like they just really don't see the world the same way that we do. Uh, they, but it's truck. Like, it's too many trucks for them. Like they're like, ah, oh, there's no pickup trucks that's electric. I thought about the Rivian has just started deliveries and everything. So maybe that's gonna have a little impact. That's the thing. I think this is gonna change every year. Like next year, GM's gonna have their Charlotte motor reading. It's like they're gonna be sixty more than sixty percent of our production capacity is gonna be electric right. and everything. And and that that's okay, but. Like they're gonna adapt, they're just being slow about it. But the thing is that they're not gonna be ready for the big change. Which again, I'm I'm saying the big change it's gonna happen right around 2025. There's gonna be enough great options in every segment to be electric in, by 2025 that no one in their right mind is gonna buy a car with a new car with a combustion engine in it because the new car thing is right. the big and, thing. And- and the education is going to be there for you know consumer education. There's going to be a charging Massive infrastructure charging there, infrastructure. not just so all the things are kind of coming together. Exactly. Right now. So right now they they plan for fifty. Right now, like the planning department at GM 
2030, yeah. half of our stuff is going to be going to be useless. That's what they're saying. 20, it's going to be manufacturing well, capacity gonna that's going to be completely useless. And then if next year they they change that to sixty percent, yeah, but but like they they're, they're losing time right now to be ready because we know right. we know how complicated the supply chain and and the investment in in changing the production capacity of the electric is stranded exactly. Assets, yeah. So you, you uh, uh, every year that you lose, you you're gonna lose market share by twenty twenty five. Like it's it's not gonna be ready by then. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know that they have the money or the, you know, investor confidence to do it. But like, if you were running one of these companies, Ford, GM, uh, even, you know, Volkswagen to extent, Mercedes, would you just say, all right, we're going to take a huge loss this year. We're going to spend the whole year retooling everything to build electric vehicles and, you know, spend all the time we can getting batteries and all this other stuff. Or would you, you know, continue to put out gas cars um, and and focus energy on building gas cars and marketing gas cars. Um, I don't know that a company could survive a year like that. You know, uh, with great leadership, they can. Uh, I mean, yeah, like you sell it to the, sh- the shareholders. I don't think Mary Barra is that right now. I don't think she's uh, right. She she's old school. Like a lot of people, like got sold on the idea. She's the first woman to lead the big automakers, and that's that's great. That's an incredible achievement and everything. But she, like, she, other than that, like she's still an old school auto, like Detroit engineer, uh, right. deep in the patrol <laughs> stuff. So like, right. she, she she she's not she, she she, and to be fair, like her uh, men peers are not <laughs> are not better, but. Like we we need, and and this is the wild thing too. Like I I strongly like we disagree on a few things with Elon, but I strongly believe is by far the most important person on earth for accelerating electric vehicle adoption. If you'd have a CEO like a Mary Barra right now going, we are changing, or we are investing in hundred percent production capacity to be electric globally by twenty twenty five. You'd have a massive impact which if you would remove the fact that this was influenced partly by Tesla like this probably wouldn't happen without Elon Musk and Tesla it would have just as much of an impact if it wasn't for that it would be a massive impact so like you she couldn't make her name in history right now if she she would do that but shareholder pressure like you said and um, the risk might be yeah I mean would the board just like oust her like immediately? Well, st- like she would still be, she, she would, she would be a rock star still. Like she would like, right. and like she could get away and like try to do an hostile takeover with the investor that are, are, are smart enough to see what's, what the, to see what's happening and everything. It would be, it would be wild, but I don't know. She, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't see her doing that. Yeah. Unlikely. Uh, and you know, to the detriment of the company that she runs. Long term, yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe yeah. short term is going to look good. Like that's the problem with Wall Street, like quarter, quarter, and everything. And uh, you have to give that to Elon. He had a much more better long term vision than uh, any uh, any of those people. Also, so one last thing. I know we're going long on this, but um, one one thing could be that they are just telling people this so people don't just stop buying gas cars. Like they're just saying, look, in 2030, there's still going to be 50% gas cars. Don't worry. Don't, you know, you don't have to buy an electric car right now. Like 
there could be that. And they, they really truly know deep down inside that they're going to, in 2030, it's going to be all electric. Uh, yeah. I mean, because they have you, to sell you, you've been you've been right in now. those meetings with those people like those like executive at yeah, the, and when when we we do because we do every time we do our speech that like you guys are are, are missing the boat here like by 2025 no one's gonna buy like the 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 look that i get every time i say that to to old school right. automotive people old school automotive journalists old school auto everything that always like well this kid is out of his mind he doesn't know anything <laughs> And like, hi, maybe I do, maybe I don't, but we'll see. Yeah, you're right. But I, you know, these people like the, the Mari Vara level, they have a lot of, you know, insight. Yeah. I, I want to say in my brain, like maybe they understand what's happening oh, or, you know, they have a, they should hedge. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time on it. <laughs> well, last thing on GM that they announced uh, at the shareholder meeting is the Ultra Cruise. So this is not a replacement to the Super Cruise. It's uh, just a different suit of uh, advanced driver assistance features that is uh, going to be for the premium GM vehicles, so like the Cadillacs and the whatnot. Well, well it's kind of going to be a replacement because Super Cruise isn't Cadillac right now, but Super Cruise is going to exist. Ultra Cruise is going to be the premium option. And the way they phrased it, they went they went full Tesla. <laughs> they, they went full self-driving. They went through hands-free driving. So like Tesla like to use the full beforehand, now they use the through uh, for the uh, hands-free driving on 95% of driving scenario in the U.S. and Canada. So due to the fact that they have their driving monitoring system like they do in Super Cruise, they allow you to put your hands off the wheel. But unlike Super Cruise, which is just just for highways, uh, now it's going to be for more driving scenario, like 95% of driving scenarios. So uh, city streets, I would assume, and things like that. But it's also, like Super Cruise, it's a geofence to mapped out, HD mapped uh, areas. And uh, they're talking about, at lunch, more than 2 million miles in the U.S. and Canada. And that's going to grow to uh, 3 or 4 million miles. So it's it's hard to imagine like what like two or three million miles is of of a road, but it's, apparently it's a lot. <laughs> so uh, that's the good news. Uh, yeah, some features that you talk about here for Ultra Cruise, uh, which is relies on the uh, 360 uh, cameras, radars, and lidars. It's going to provide users with information based on their experience of the system through all new dynamic displays. So much like Tesla Autopilot and FSD has their driver visualization. They're going to have their similar thing here. Uh, react to permanent traffic control devices. So permanent is the uh, main important word here because they are geofence they, uh, and they use HD maps. It need, needs to be permanent one. So if you have like uh, construction with uh, like added stop or added traffic light, won't use that. Uh, follow internal navigation routes. Maintain head headway follow speed limits. So traffic over cruise control. Support automatic and on-demand lane changes. So this is uh, this is a big change for them. Support left and right-hand turns. So it's actually gonna do some some turns in the traffic light situation. And what if they're like only left, no right? <laughs> well, it would be only right before it's gonna be only left. I think. Right, right. Uh, support close object avoidance. So object detection on the road. That's important. Support parking in the residential driveways. So it's gonna be able to park itself. So don't hold your breath, though. This is coming to select few vehicles in 2023. 
2023 is not that far. Yeah, it's not that far, it's, but it's still uh... almost 2022. Um, and and you know, GM's a little bit like they're not perfect at hitting their targets. Like uh, that, you know, they're a little bit late on the bolt because of the pandemic, but they're usually a little bit more reliable in terms of hitting that stuff. Um, I will say, like I I did uh, Super Cruise in the Bolt uh, EUV um, on that first drive, and I like you know as a as a Tesla autopilot user, I was like, oh, this is refreshing. I don't have to have my hand on the wheel and put pressure on it. Uh, so they have they have something. Like uh, I don't know if they're going to get to level three or four or whatever, but uh, they definitely have a, a product right now that works pretty well. Pretty well. Yeah, I mean, uh, do to do the Tesla comparison, it, it sounds a lot like Super Cruise is like autopilot and uh, Ultra Cruise is like FSD, right. but to a degree. And uh, they're being a lot more careful with their marketing than Tesla, obviously. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, of course, if you believe in Musk's latest timeline, by the time this comes out, Tesla is going to have a true, fully, 100% full self-driving <laughs> robo-taxi. This is this is what we need to hold them to, like the robo taxi term, because robo taxi term is pretty clear. It's yep. gonna do what a taxi can do, but instead of having a driver in it, it's gonna be a robot. It's gonna be the car. It's gonna be so. Which Waymo actually announced today that they've done that for a year yeah. in in Phoenix, and they're actually expanding it to the whole Phoenix area. Like they literally have cars without drivers taking people places. Yeah, yeah, they do. Certainly do. So it's possible. It's just, uh, you know, is it? But if you're a Tesla your... super fan, you're like, this is worthless because it's geofence into Phoenix area. Yeah, but what if they expand to New York next? And what if they expand to Los Angeles? Yeah, if you live in they... Phoenix, you're like, uh, maybe I'll get that Jaguar with the, uh, you know, the the e e I pace. Yeah, but like that, that. Well, that's the thing. It's it's only like. Uh, the the competition for them is 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 more like Uber and, and stuff like that. Like they're not right. really selling it to the end user right now. But but we know Google like yeah. they they uh, they build maps products yeah. pretty you know yeah. into cars. They've got they've got their fingers in into the Volvo and Ford and yeah. everybody else. All right, should we jump into the comments, the questions? Do it. Yeah. All right. Roll a twenty says as is Powerwall LFP or NMC. Well, as far as we know, they haven't announced officially announced a change to LFP. There's been talked about it. They say that it like LFP is now good enough for them to use in cars, so we'd assume it would be good enough for them to use in stationary storage. But there hasn't been a true like official statement that they they moved to. Uh, and also, we haven't seen like updated specs that would indicate that anything changed in terms of the chemistry of the batteries used in Powerwall. You know, one thing to think about um, on the LFP versus. Uh the uh, traditional, I guess, traditional-ish mm. uh, lithium. Uh, NCA uh, and NC. Yeah. Is that uh, LFP doesn't perform as well in cold weather. So if your power wall is located on the mm. outside of your house and you live in cold weather mm. or even in your garage with cold weather, um, that's something to think about. Mm. Uh, you know, maybe the power walls without, uh, with LFP are going to be, you know, sold in warm mm. weather places at first or something. All right, moving on. Any estimate on how much FSD development has cost Tesla? Is it worth it in your opinion overall? Mm. Well, at this very moment, well, is it worth it for no Tesla? Because he's talking about the cost, or they're talking about the cost of yeah. I mean, to Tesla, yeah. I mean, every automaker so, is making investment towards that. 
like anyways yeah so. you're gonna need to have that in a few yeah, years. yeah yeah at this very second um tesla mm-hmm. sold quite a few mm-hmm. uh you know autopilot self-driving stuff so yeah probably worth it um no idea on the actual number but whatever yeah that, that, that's a, that's a, an interesting thing too that we didn't discuss but uh like it, it would be worth doing a deep dive at one point into the realized revenue from tesla from the fsd like because you know that they put that aside as a as a liability, basically, but not a liability, but like on re- recognized revenue because they haven't delivered on the features, but they took the money from their customers, and then they slowly, as they improve, like they unlock the revenue and they recognize that uh, every quarter or so, they, they 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 change that number per FSD package sold, um, and that's a pretty arbitrary arbitrary. Yeah, arbitrary uh, amount. Like it's who decides that. Well, <laughs> it's strange. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tobias. Tobias says, "Do you think the proposed EV tax credit will come through?" Uh, so you know, as a little bit of a backdrop, uh, there was two Democratic senators, Manchin and mm-hmm. um, the woman from Arizona. Can't remember her name right now. Uh, that weren't. On board with the Democrats, uh, was it four point four trillion dollar infrastructure package, which kind of blew up the whole thing. Now they're kind of rejiggering it. It's going to be a lot less. Um, we don't know specifically how the uh, Democrats are going to change the plan, but they're going to try to push through a smaller uh, plan that these two senators are okay with. Um, obviously, Republicans don't have a lot of say in it at the moment. Uh, it might be a smart move if the Republicans, you know, said, hey, you know, you need two of us, like, just, you know, throw some money at uh, our way and Republican things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I, I think it the, there's going to be an EV tax credit. It might not be as big as we initially saw. And hopefully mm-hmm. it's not as union focused as mm-hmm. it was initially. That's when you guys wish you had a third party system like uh, like we do here. And you can, oh my god! You can make a quick deal uh, with uh, the third party. Right. Like, oh, exactly. Uh, That's yeah. it. Would be such a good thing. Mm-hmm. We got the uh, Yang Gang. Uh, mm-hmm. Yang just mo- moved to third party. So, <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, Jed Anderson says, "Can GM sell their new EV Hummer in Texas easier than Tesla's X?" What do you think? Well, I'm not I'm not sure what he means by easier. Like, is it going to sell more than the X? Um, I, I mean, I think about the dealerships. Yeah, I mean, the dealership. Yes, it's going to be a lot easier. Like GM used a third party dealership models, uh, which is uh, accepted in Texas, unlike Tesla's direct sell models. In terms of like, if the sales are going to be better, though, uh, I mean, the Model X now is a lot more expensive than it was uh, before the refresh. So, um, but. Um, but they've been accumulating also a big <laughs> a big backlog for a while, so I think they're going to do fine for the next year. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Model 3 is no longer an affordable car, I think. Do you think the prices will come down again? Uh, Elon has said that they yeah. will come down again, but what do you think? I mean, that that's the thing. He said, like, he said Tesla was, was aiming for him to come down, but again, maybe you're just going to wait for the new incentive the federal incentive which is going to reduce the price a lot too but yeah they should they should what are the top three not yeah go ahead yeah 
what are the top three non-Tesla brands that you see becoming global leaders in the auto industry of the future in the 2030s? Well, um, what do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, if you're talking about legacy automakers. VW's there, right? Huh? VW's there, right? Yeah, I think if you're talking about legacy automakers, the ones that seem like the most serious right now about electrification, like Volkswagen is at the top of my list. Like the like the the diesel gate, like it's a scandal, like shook them a lot. And they're like, all right, now we need to change our ways. And like that was very positive for them in the in a way. Um, and, and they have a lot of reach like in every market. So that's that's very good. Um I mean, I think Rivian. Like, I really like what I'm seeing from Rivian. I think, I think they. Uh, uh, I know people don't like that, like they're the next Tesla. But uh, I mean, there's Tesla is like the only startup in in the auto industry that was, was successful. I think Rivian's going to be the next one, and uh, uh, and if they can ramp up faster than Tesla, which they they probably can, I think, since the uh, since they had that blueprint from Tesla. Of course, we didn't talk about it this week, but there was Tesla is uh, kind of ramped up their. They they claim that Rivian is stealing technology from them now, like um, especially specifically battery technology. So th- this whole thing could play out. Uh, it could be interesting because Tesla has been kind of successful on that front, like that uh, when it comes to um, uh, going after uh, people for stealing trade secrets. Like I know they did it for Zooks, like the uh, the reach a settlement and Zooks apologized. Like they said, well, we did. I'm not saying that Rivian stole anything, but could be interesting. So oh yeah, Volkswagen, Rivian, and then probably another legacy to maker that's gonna come out uh fine on top of that. Um uh, I mean GM Mercedes. GM like with what I was just discussed, I kinda kinda lose some faith in it. Uh Ford I like Ford, I see the one the F one fifty, their current plan to have like hundred and sixty thousand units per year in twenty twenty five. It's like I, I wish I would the, the it would be it would need to be a lot more than that. So like in terms of the American automakers, like it's not it's not great other than Tesla and uh, and um okay, so Rivian. So did do you see Daimler? Uh yeah, I was gonna say Mercedes. Yeah. I think that you know they you know, we saw them at uh, IAA in uh, Germany, and they seemed like they had like a, a big, like they it was like a tidal wave coming. Yeah, they, yeah, time. you're right. Maybe uh, strange, like the Volkswagen and Daimler. Yep, I think uh, I would yeah. agree with that. All right, uh, two more. Uh, any news on the Atlas truck? I feel like that was already gone or something. Yeah, I mean, I know they really they revealed like a prototype this week. I wasn't uh, last week. I wasn't really impressed by it. I'm having issues with Atlas because like they don't have a lot of money and they are marketing like crazy. Their their crowdfunding that's all they're marketing basically. Right, that's right. Like you go on Instagram and like if you're someone like me who research electric vehicles a lot and you get electric vehicle ads all the time, you get ads for them to for you to invest in their crowdfunding for a truck Not that a doesn't look. exist. That's not a greatest look for me. Like we we report a lot on like Indiegogo stuff or like e-bikes and, and things like that. And even then, we're like being super careful all the time. Like we want to see a prototype of it beforehand and and, and things like that because crowdfunding space is is it's great. There's a lot of great things that can come from crowdfunding, but you have to be careful in that space. And when you talk about a pickup truck built from the ground up to be crowdfunded, like that's a wild. While endeavor there, so we we're be, like I'm not I'm not saying that those people are, are bad people or anything like that. I'm just saying that we have to be super careful about promoting, reporting, and all that stuff. So 
until they can show more uh we, we we're not gonna we're not gonna talk too much about them unfortunately all right we got two just comments i guess mark benton says i have a hundred safety score if i don't get fsd beta tonight should i take a hostage <laughs> no but uh do keep us involved if you do get it we'd love to see it um if you're in new york or or close to the <laughs> montreal border uh we'll come jump out jump in the car and uh, give it a ride um and then final comment is uh a third party will never work until we get ranked choice voting that's uh regarding yeah. uh yang and then one final thing is how is the test loop high mileage model x holding up question uh, apparently fine i haven't driven it in a while since i the car is in la and i've been i haven't been in la in uh, a year now so uh my friend uh chris chris Payne is uh is driving it and he says it's uh it's doing great he, he loves it so much he wants to buy it from me so i might i might sell him to him uh in the coming weeks we'll see but uh, it'll be in the next electric car movie <laughs> yeah probably um no, it's doing fine. Although this week you did reach out to me, it was an issue with the key fob. Apparently, the key, one of the key fob is not working anymore. So that that's mm. the only problem. If it, if that's the only problem that you're having right now with the car that has four hundred thousand miles on it, you're doing fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, everyone, for listening and watching this show this week. I know it's a long one, an hour twenty. I hope that you uh you were it was bearable for you guys. Uh, it was fun for us. <laughs> uh, we we love to talk about EV stuff. If you haven't noticed, so if you are still watching right now, you are you're a true one. You're a true electric fan. I appreciate you a lot. Uh, if you can give us a thumbs up on the on the podcast right now, on the either if you're watching on the YouTube or Facebook, uh, if you're just listening audio only, if you can give us a five star review, that's always super helpful, and we appreciate it. And um, yeah. Uh, I hope you have a safe weekend. We're going to see you same time next week. Have a good one.